Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, everybody. So this episode was inspired by a request from a follower on Twitter. At Anidona said, After listening to your Unsupported Tribes and Custom Commander episodes, I realized it would be very interesting to hear an episode on Unsupported Commanders. So rather than card pools that lack a strong commander, what about leaders that lack a strong card pool? So we agree with you, and that does sound like an interesting topic. So we've done a bit of research and identified some commanders that fit the bill. To clarify about, to clarify about what we're covering today, these are commanders that promise a sweet reward if you make some sort of commitment. Uh, you read them, you get excited about the power that they offer, but then you start looking at the cards and like doing the gatherer searches, and you find that the cards they want you to commit to don't exist in large enough numbers to support a commander deck. We're going to jump in very shortly, but before we do, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon. So if you head on over to patreon.com slash commandertheory, you can support the show and get sweet benefits for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by rating or reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. All right, who is the first almost there commander that we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, so this is actually uh, one that me and friends have talked about for a very long time. This is a mono-white commander, uh, Takeno Samurai General. So uh, buckle up for this guy. He's a 3-3 three, three, uh, human samurai for 5 and a white. He has Bushido 2, so whenever this uh, creature blocks or is blocked, it gets plus 2, plus 2 until end of turn. And then has the line of text, each other samurai you control gets plus 1, plus 1 for each point of Bushido it has. That sounds like it's pretty cool, like on the surface. Like, I, I remember seeing this card and being like, oh, red. Uh, and then I think uh, you know where this ends up. <laughs> Yeah, you look at him and you see like he's got Bushido 2 and like, wow, so if my other samurai had Bushido 2, it'd get plus 2 plus 2. And if it got blocked or, or, or blocked, if it blocked or became blocked, then get another plus 2 plus 2. But the thing is, uh, not only are there very few samurai with Bushido in mono white, uh, very few of them have Bushido of more than one. So your six mana commander is likely just giving them a plus one plus one bonus, which isn't a huge. It's not game breaking, um, especially when a lot of these samurai like aren't awesome commander playable cards. Most of them are just French vanilla dudes with Bushido. So and another tricky part about the, this guy is that he's a tribal commander, but he rewards you. Uh, not just for having samurai, but samurai with a specific mechanic, which means you can't really supplement with changelings. Yeah, and that, honestly, that's like one of the things that I think is going to come up in some of these tribal lists is that like the the fact that when you look at them, either changelings are the best thing or changelings are the worst things is kind of a, a bad sign. He's just sitting here looking for like two dots like two targets and really there's nothing to that hits either mark it's really so sad we've talked before about commanders that uh reward you for doing or require you to do multiple things like they have multiple hoops to jump through and it's just really hard to to clear those those requirements yeah yeah it's um this is not the only kamigawa legend that we'll talk about today but 
it's really sad. Like I, I kind of wish that they would do like a Modern Horizons y type thing, but with Kamigawa block, like some kind of reimagined thing that's not like a standard legal set to just make all those people happy and get them to shut up again. You know what I mean? Like, because I, I do yeah. like in hindsight, like a lot of the aesthetics of Kamigawa block, and I do think a lot of cool legends came out of it, and um, I just think that Dominaria executed on a lot of the things that Kamigawa tried to do way better and I don't think that we need to spend a whole standard there but as like a supplemental product a supplemental set like that could be kind of fun to go back to like something like that so I don't know that's I'm I'm just putting that out into the ether so that maybe it it uh coalesces into something someday <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so a, co- a couple questions for you. Yeah. One, uh, what would need to be printed in order for Takeno to really shine as a commander? And how likely is it that that will get printed at some point in the future? Oh boy, yeah. Um, I mean, really, it just needs more samurai with Bushido or, <laughs> or in the weird off chance, more changelings with Bushido. Um, <laughs> And I I don't know if we're really ever going to see more of that, you know, like that, that might never happen ever again. Uh, all right. So failing that, what, how would you change Takeno's design so that it could be uh, a real deck in commander, a real archetype? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I would take away one of the restrictions, uh, probably. So maybe each creature you control gets plus one, plus one for each point of Bushido that just opens up the pool a lot more or, um, change it so that samurai are getting pumped, not for Bushido, (laughs) like (laughs) maybe for some, some other, just maybe static amount or, um, maybe just something really easy. So like samurai you control get like plus one plus one if they have bushido they're indestructible or something like that like like there there's a, a few different ways that you could go about uh making this a little bit more friendly towards the tribe uh or the mechanic depending on which way you wanted to tweak the knobs yeah i think maybe another color might help him too oh like, yeah with only with only 19 samurai with bushido in white like that's not really that's not than the level you need so maybe another color would help get that up to a reasonable amount so you don't have to play the absolute bottom of the barrel yeah. in order to make it no work. that's totally true that also spoiler alert might be a theme on a few of these commanders <laughs> <laughs> um but i definitely agree with that just the mono white samurai they just all were french vanillas and uh f- it turns out french vanillas aren't very good in commander you know Mm-hmm. Sad but true. All right. Uh, what is the next commander we're going to be talking about? Today? Yeah, this is um, a an old favorite of mine. Uh, a card, not commander. So Abishan Cephalid Emperor is a three-three Cephalid Noble for four blue blue that has tap an untapped Cephalid you control, tap target permanent. Then also has blue blue blue, so three blue. Tap all creatures without flying. On the surface, this looks awesome. Like when I uh, started playing Magic, it was a little before this guy. And when I started getting really into Magic, it was definitely around Odyssey Block. And I remember seeing this guy and just being like, wow, that's really strong. 
years later, years later, going back and like looking to see if I'd want to make a deck around this guy, and <laughs> there's not a lot. <laughs> yeah, uh, so there are currently 15 non-changeling cephalids in mono blue. There are five changelings in mono blue, and then plus Mutavault and Misform Ultimus. So an extremely small number of cephalids. Um, so it's really hard to make this guy work as a commander. There is a little bit of tech, but if you're just trying to do the cephalid tribal game plan it's that, he, that he promises, that he implies with his text, it's not really going to work out for you. Yeah, yeah. And cephalids were such a narrow tribe in one block there's some notable cephalids people remember cephalid breakfast as a deck uh, like a combo deck that existed but they just were not printed in vast numbers or not printed in uh at the rate the hit rate that you might need to fill out a deck for this guy um and that kind of sucks that that's that's sad he really needed that help (laughs) so what would you do uh or what does abishan need in order to be successful as a as a commander what does he need in order to fulfill his promise and how likely are we to get that so i don't know Uh, barring more cephalids i don't know like what i would say he needs to get better so there are a few other mist form creatures that that may be able to supplement um supplement abishan they're not nearly as good as changelings but most of them have pretty cheap activation costs to make them the type of your choice. Oh, okay. So, for example, like Mistform Sliver is one in a blue for a 1-1 one, one Illusion Sliver. All slivers have one, this creature's type becomes the creature's the creature type of your choice in addition to its other types until end of turn. Um, Mistform Stalker, two cost, 1-1, one, one, pay one, it becomes the creature type of your choice until end of turn. So there are some options if you're willing to actually to pay mana for it. Not, a, not great, uh, but really I agree with you. I think that more changelings is the, the key here because I don't think we're going to get cephalids anytime soon outside of, outside of like one of callbacks. Yeah, I, I do also want to say that there is Xenograft. There are enchantments that make creatures creature type we know that you can put that in this deck and it'll be good if you have creatures and blah 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 but like building a deck around a card that's not your commander doesn't always work the best doesn't always lead to the most consistent fun games yeah especially if you're not in a color that can tutor out enchantments that well there's yeah. not a lot of easy ways to find your arcane adaptation or your xenograph yeah exactly so really it just needs the actual the actual beef we need the actual cards printed that can help this guy out and uh until that happens he's just gonna sit there uh in his little cephalid chair just kind of brooding being a sad boy so the next commander we're gonna be talking about is tetsuko umezawa fugitive it's one in the blue for a one three human rogue creatures you control with power or toughness one or less can't be blocked so what is this commander uh telling you to do and is it something that's easily achievable yeah so the the promise that tetsuko offers is that your tiny little saboteur uh, creatures are going to 
just always be able to get in there that you will like always be able to draw a card with your scroll thief or thieving magpie there's like a bunch of fun things that you kind of think of off the top of your head when you see tetsuko and then then you look and you go oh wait that was all of them there there's really few <laughs> creatures and there's really few things you can do because if the limitation is having one in the power or toughness um you can't like pump you kind of just uh get stopped before you even get started yeah i was really shocked uh with how few like scroll thief variants actually met tetsuko's uh requirements like in my mind there were dozens of these things rolling around but no there's really only a handful and through like my my quick gatherer search there's only 14 creatures in mono blue with one or less power or toughness that do something worthwhile when unblocked or when they hit a player it's a really small number so unless you're trying to do something where you like get in with small guys and then like pump them up and then get and then that's how you're like getting value off this ability it, there's not not really enough there to make the deck work yeah i feel like there are a lot of people that opened up tetsuko and maybe were really excited or even like made a brawl deck out of tetsuko or thought they were going to make a brawl deck out of tetsuko and it just like really only worked with like two <laughs> creatures in standard at the time like just was not as much fun as she looks like she's going to be yeah i think a, a problem with it is like like what would you say is a characteristic of blue creatures in terms of like power and toughness yeah so this is actually gonna everyone remember this we're gonna talk about this again they usually have more toughness than power yeah so there's mm-hmm. So there's not a lot of like four ones and five ones that you can like get in and deal massive damage with. It's mostly like one twos and one threes and one fours that Tetsuko that is like accessible within your color identity. So like just by the nature of the mono blue identity, it's hard to push the aggro angle. And although I have uh, heard about lists that use it as an infect commander, um, because there are a lot of like weenie infect creatures and they they do tend to hit harder than normal. Yeah. And they can, you know, get in easily with Tetsuko, but that's a bit of a challenge still because of the restriction of your color identity. Yeah. The number of creatures with infect that meet Tetsuko's criteria is really only 7 creatures. So that's a uh, definitely an issue. It's it's again like you don't really have quite what you need to to get there what's needed in order to make tetsuko work like what cards need to be printed to to get tetsuko over the finish line and have like a real complete hundred card deck yeah i mean two things either more saboteurs with like low power like one power that would be kind of the first category that i would think that you would need just like cards that are fun that do something fun that draw you a card when they hit something like that that are at a reasonable rate. Like we don't want any like five drops with like one power that draw you a card when they hit or kind of like he said before, like cheap, large power, one toughness guys, <laughs> like more of them so that you're actually kind of like getting a lot of value on these like tiny cheap guys that can't be blocked and can just kind of start wailing on opponents. And the likelihood of those happening, I feel like is uh, low you know, moderate to low. I think we'll get more saboteurs over time. I just don't think they're focusing on it. Like, 
they might be focusing on other things or other tribes. Yeah, it's the kind of card they print like maybe twice a year just to make some sort of limited archetype work. So we're likely to get more of them, but just not at a very fast rate. This is the kind of commander that may grow into itself within a couple years. There's definitely decks that I have in my brain that are just kind of like, oh, once they hit the critical mass of this, like, we'll be fine. And Tetsuko's one basically one of those lists one thing too that i think would really have helped her is just if she had another color man if she was just one other color we would have been fine it would have been fun yeah absolutely like uh black has so many good cheap small saboteur effects that would work really well with tetsuko and then red would also be a good pairing because Red tends to have the more like high power, low toughness creatures, has a lot of X1s that could really beat down, get in some damage with the evasion granted by Tetsuko. Like such a cool flavor throwback, like story throwback. It's cool to see like Umazawas are still kicking it out there in the multiverse and just such a lackluster card, like so sad. Yeah, it could have been more, but um, well... It may be one day, and that's and that's kind of the theme for today. Like, I think I'm optimistic about a lot of these commanders. I think they'll get there eventually, but they, they are not there at the moment. Yeah, there's some that we're about to talk about that I feel that way, and Tetsuko is definitely kind of high up on that list for me, where I just look at her mm-hmm. and I go, mm, you're like, you're right, that you're like right where you need to be. You're like poised, you're, you're perched up on that ledge, ready to take the leap, but you... You're not quite getting it. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, what's the next commander that we're going to be talking about? Yeah, so this next card is from Betrayers of Kamigawa. This is Manichi the Fevered Dream. A 1-2 spirit for two and a red has one red switch each creature's power and toughness until end of turn. So that's it. Just two mana. Your 1-2 becomes a 2-1. Everything kind of goes topsy-turvy. I think that's pretty cool. That that could be a cool ability. Yeah, you look at it and you start thinking about like, okay, so if I have a bunch, of, like if you've ever played a Doran deck, you know that, uh, you know, it's a pretty fun play pattern to just drop a bunch of zero four, or well, in this case, one fours or one fives on the cheap, and then drop your commander, flip everything around, and suddenly you're hitting for 20 or more damage out of nowhere. Like that, that play pattern is really fun, but... What what happens when you start doing some scryfall searches and some gatherer searches and, and looking for those low power, high toughness creatures in mono yeah, red? Yeah, and really the key here is the mono red because like there's just so few just big booty mono red creatures that really you really feel like you're winning, you're really cheating the system on. Like five of them. And that just feels really bad. You can't even really necessarily do a lot of other tricksy things that you might think. You might think like, oh, if I can make someone's power zero uh, and then I flip it, then they die or stuff like that. And in mono red, it's just you don't really have those options like mm-hmm. the, the way that other colors sometimes give you those options. So you kind of end up with a pretty janky mono red pile and I actually had like a challenge to build a, a Manichi list some years ago, 
And this was like back in Scars of Mirrodin block, and uh, it was not good. <laughs> it was much worse then than it is now, and it's still not very good now. <laughs> it just never really did anything. And that's not necessarily Manichi's fault. <laughs> that's just like the card pool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really unfortunate because like this is, it's a fun ability, but you don't really have the tools to make it work. Yeah. So what exactly needs to be printed to make Manichi into the, the the powerhouse that he promises to be? And how likely are we to get that? Yeah, uh, I mean, the easy one is you got some big toughness creatures, preferably cheap, something like that, or, or a way to make tokens that have a like larger toughness. Like maybe we start seeing like one, two dwarves or something, you know what I mean? Something kind of like that that you could get cheaply and effectively so that when you actually pull the trigger on Manichi and flip the power and toughness around, you get a benefit from it. I think the other one would be actual like toughness boosting effects in red or um, swap power for toughness effects in red or, or vice versa. Swapping toughness for power kind of stuff. I think at a better rate, that would also help And I I think at this point you can kind of notice that like those things are very niche and I don't think we're going to get them in big volumes anytime soon. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that could be done for Manichi's design in order to make him a bit stronger to to make it into a viable commander? Design wise, I mean, just the color, adding colors would have helped immensely, like adding blue, red, blue or red, black. Even uh, even red white would be pretty. Solid. Oh yeah, there's mm-hmm. a lot of high toughness creatures in white. That's true. Yeah, you do get the the white. Uh, I don't I don't know what that ability is actually called. Is it like not fire breathing, but ass blasting? Yeah, <laughs> that's what I always called it, but I don't think that's what uh, internally at Wizards they they reference it as. I would guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, that would be pretty cool as well. I I think that's the biggest thing because I I actually do think that if this guy was two colors he actually would be a deck and it would be like kind of a cool thing to see function i just think that just being in mono red just doesn't give you what you need yeah i also wouldn't mind seeing like the the cost to activate him decrease a little bit like doran essentially doran does a lot of the same work but like as a constant static ability so i wouldn't mind uh getting that kind of uh, ease of use on Manichi as well, rather than having to like keep two mana up to activate him. Yeah, definitely. See what they're going for, but since they've changed so much over the years, like Doran was printed many, well, not many, a few years after this guy was printed, and uh, I think just kind of like obsoletes the flipping of the switch that they thought was probably pretty clever with this guy. Do you think we should uh, lump these all together? Yeah. These next three? The first one of the three is Ojutai, Soul of Winter, a 5-6 Flying Vigilance uh, dragon for 5 white-blue, so 7 mana. Whenever a dragon you control attacks, tap target non-land permanent and opponent controls that permanent doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. Do you want to read the next guy? <laughs> sure. Uh, next is Silumgar, the Drifting Death. Four blue-black for a 3-7 dragon with flying and hexproof. Whenever a dragon you control attacks, creatures defending player controls get minus one, minus one until end of turn. And finally, Dramoka the Eternal. Three green-white for a 5-5 dragon with flying. 
Whenever a dragon you control attacks, bolster two. So all of these are legendary dragons. They all have some small effect that triggers off of dragons attacking. So ideally you would want to have a lot of dragons all attacking at the same time and their their power level increases dramatically the more dragons you have attacking. Have you noticed anything about their color identities? What <laughs> what color is not represented among these three dragons? Yeah, there's a not a lot of red going on here. Usually, typically, we think of dragons as being pretty solidly in red, at least primarily. <laughs> it can be tricky to make this work. Like these, these all promise some pretty powerful rewards if you have a lot of dragons. Like Silmgar, the Drifting Death. If you know, if you're attacking with four or five dragons, then you're probably wiping your opponent's board. That's probably killing yeah, everything. Yeah, pre pretty much every turn too. Yeah, but uh, there's only 31 dragons in the blue-black color identity, of which only about seven, I'd say, are good. Uh, you do get access to about a dozen changelings and Mutavault and Misformultimus, but it's in terms of like really playable members and especially like cheap members, so that you can like drop Silimgar and like immediately get a bunch of triggers. There's not a lot of good options. Yeah. And and these guys all look very powerful. And and as someone who played with them, especially like in limited at the time, like they were very powerful. Like when you got them to work, you just started taking over a game really well. And I think that's part of the problem is like that gameplay that that promise like looks so strong and like is like palpable. Like you can taste it. And then when you actually sit down and play with one of these lists, it's it's so underwhelming and you really feel like you're kind of missing out or missed the point or something something terrible has gone on. <laughs> they all could be there, but they're not right now, all three of them. To give you some quick counts for Ojutai Soul of Winter, uh, there are 32 dragons in blue and white, of which about eight are, are good. There's 13 changelings plus Mutavault and Misform Ultimus in blue and white. So not a lot to choose from and because dragons are iconic creature types, they tend to be very expensive. Like, looking at the blue-black dragons, uh, of the 31 dragons, only 8 cost less than Silimgar, so it's not going to be easy to curve into Silimgar and have him be the knockout punch at the top of your curve. And then that's even worse when you look at the green-white. So when you're looking at Dramoka, there's, really, there's only 28 dragons. Um, a big reason for that, too, is that angels kind of take up this space in white a lot of the time um and there's about eight good ones but again they're <laughs> they're not cheap <laughs> they tend to be like six or more a lot of them in fact there are uh zero dragons in green white that cost less than dromoka yeah. so you're if you want to curve and get your whole bunch of bolster triggers in one turn then you are entirely reliant on changelings Yep, it's pretty It's pretty crazy. Yeah, I, I think that because none of these colors are, are dragon colors, we'd either have to return to Tarkir and have it be a set that focuses on the dragons, or they'd just have to print a bunch more changelings. Because really, changelings are what these decks want. They don't want six-cost dragons. And, and that, I think, is something that's more likely to happen. We saw it in the latest Modern Horizons. It's a useful tool. I wouldn't be surprised if they continue to use it as we get more tribal blocks in the future. 
So I think that it's something that could happen and these guys could creep towards playability. Yeah, definitely. I think that would be, I think, just good for a lot of people. I think there's a lot of people who really like these dragons and these characters and kind of like identify with these kind of tribes that like the Tarkir block put forward, but haven't really been able to um, access them on a tangible level because the Dragon Lord versions of these cards too weren't necessarily geared towards Commander as well. So given time, being able to actually play with these cards would make a lot of people happy. Definitely. All right. Uh, what is the last Commander we're going to be talking about oh, today? Man. This last one is probably the one on the list that makes me the most sad. Exava Rakdos Bloodwitch is a 3-3 first strike haste for two black red. Uh, she is a human cleric with Unleash, which is when she enters the battlefield, you can put a plus one plus one counter on her. As long as she has a plus one plus one counter on her, she cannot block. Uh, and she has each other creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it has haste. That sounds really normal for red black. You're like, okay, like my creatures have haste. If I put counters on them, they have haste. Uh, red black loves haste. Red black likes like having creatures and tokens and stuff like that. Like how how hard could this possibly be? And she she comes down as a four four hasty first striker. So that that seems good. Like okay, my commander herself is a four four hasty first striker. Like what else can I put in this deck? And uh, it it just kind of goes downhill from there. <laughs> yeah, I was really surprised so i i love granting haste i think haste can often be really good in commander you just have to get it at the right rate it just needs to be kind of like a throw in uh on something you already want i love commanders that grant haste having the ability to surprise your opponents is big when so much of commander is like a lot of it is like i cast this thing and then like i have to wait around it turns and does everyone let me have it okay cool now you're screwed uh, but being able to like immediately plop something down on the table, slam into your opponents, just completely upset their their plans and their expectations is awesome. But Exava is not the the black red haste commander that we need because she has so many restrictions on like what types of creatures she wants in her deck. It has to be a creature that enters the battlefield with a plus one plus one counter on it or has a mechanism getting counters that doesn't like require a lot of extra resources and can be active the turn you drop it it must be a creature that doesn't already have haste because like why yeah you need Ixava in that yeah, case yeah why double haste it yeah and then it must be worth running in commander so it either has to like generate resources or control your opponent's boards or or deal damage at such an incredible rate that it scales to 40 life multiplayer and with all those restrictions in place, uh, you end up with <laughs> less than 10 cards in black-red that really look appealing. Yeah, it's really... Oh, God, it, it just like is a gut shot. It just feels so bad. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Uh, I want her to be good, but it's, she's not there at the moment. But what does she need in order to be good? Um, really, I think she needs more ways to put counters on creatures i think more enchantments or artifacts that do that easily i think that's one of the things that she needs the most right now i think that's the thing that would help her out the most right now barring that creatures that enter with counters that are good <laughs> like there's a lot of creatures that enter with counters but they're not necessarily things i would want to give haste to mindless automaton being a, a standout one it's a 
four mana, zero, zero. It enters with two plus one plus one counters. And you can discard cards to put counters on it, and you can remove two counters to draw a card. That's not really an aggressive creature that I'm, like, super pumped to, like, get down the turn after Exava's there and, like, beat in for two. We, we just need more efficient creatures that enter with counters, barring ways to put counters on creatures. And, yeah, I'm not sure when that's going to happen. I don't know what the plans are for future sets, but if we could get, like, a set similar to, like, Amonkhet that used minus one, minus one counters to do things, but with plus one, plus one counters, I think that would help out Exava a lot. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do you think that adding any additional colors or making any changes to Exava's design would make her more worthwhile, or do you think that there's not much that can be done? Yeah, I think if she was a Mardu commander, I think it would have been a lot better, a lot easier to, like, execute on this. And then the other one, too, is green has a lot of creatures that if you added green, so she was a Junt commander, there's just so many creatures that enter with counters that get haste. Like, think of, like, all the Devour creatures just literally from Jund. There's just, like, a lot more to work with if you add either of those colors. Surprisingly, when you look at both of those color identities, they kind of are lacking in, like, really efficient, good commanders right now that do something interesting so i think that that would have been an interesting take on a plus one plus one counter commander in either of those color identities if that were to have been a thing both of those color identities really work with plus one plus one counters in most sets so that's not something that we'd have to wait a long time for to get a critical mass of cards all right uh well with that i think we can move on to some listener questions uh, we've got one from Raphael. Would you consider some commanders as almost there because they're either too efficient or too generic, thus pushing people into good stuff or replacing a commander in a similar color identity? For example, Kenrith, Chulane, Yaruk, or Corvold. Yeah, I've been thinking about this since I read it. Well, which commanders would I consider almost there but too pushed? I, I guess Atraxa was almost three different designs but was too pushed yeah that's a good example that that might be one i think that Chulane is a good example because there's no real commitment required it's very powerful but you're not really hurting yourself to run cheap creatures it's just something easy so i think that any commander that is powerful but doesn't really restrict what cards you should run not really contributing to card diversity in the way that i would prefer commanders do yeah it's interesting the the way that this question kind of frames is we think about like not quite good enough or like almost there from that one side very often and it's it's kind of an interesting experiment to look at the other side and look at like oh well this is too powerful but like was it almost there i think that's like a cool design exercise to do we have gotten a lot of very strong commanders in the last year, especially two years. The average has stayed where it is. I think we've just gotten more of them, more commanders in general over the year, because we definitely have gotten some clunkers, <laughs> too. So yeah. I think it's just the fact that there's so many new commanders is skewing people's perceptions of this, because I think for every one really pushed commander, we've gotten one commander that was fine and one commander that sucked. Uh, at a very similar ratio and I think if we keep this kind of mindset like looking at them like who is almost good enough but like maybe was a little too pushed you'll kind of start to see that that pattern kind of emerges 
that like, oh, okay, no, they're still printing commanders at like a similar rate. <laughs> it's just there's so many more commanders per year. <laughs> All right. Uh, we have one more question. This comes from Addison. How many almost there commanders could be given a boost by just one key card? For example, if a better Hearthstone was printed, and Hearthstone is a three mana artifact that reduces the activation cost for activated abilities by one mana. Uh, so if a better Hearthstone was printed, a lot of commanders who rely on activated abilities could become far more playable. Are there any effects like that that, that you can think of off the top of your head, Zach, that uh, are really needed and would help a broad swath of commanders? Uh, I think that kind of going back to Exava, like a way to put counters on creatures like in black would actually help like not just Ixava but like a few different strategies in that vein Heartstone or like training grounds is the big one but um obviously this question kind of brings it up I think about training ground all the time when I'm looking at like commanders uh I've got some cheaty answers okay yeah yeah uh so one card that could really help out say for example like these tribal commanders that don't quite get there is what if they made more liberal use of the relentless rats ability so if you had just like a decent rate uh you know i don't know two cost two one flying dragon in white that had the relentless rats text then okay suddenly you have way more than enough dragons to fill out your dromoka the eternal deck or even just like a crappy changeling that had the relentless rats text like okay uh i definitely have enough vanilla decent statted uh members of any given tribe in order to make these these niche almost their tribal commanders work another type of card that would could make a dramatic difference um for certain commanders is uh just like I'm thinking like a silver bullet for commanders that can tutor things out. So for example, like a dragon with a really powerful combat damage trigger would make a, a huge difference to like Zirulan of the Claw or Scion of the Ur-Dragon or like a, a really power legendary creature in green or white could potentially make a big difference to a Captain Sisse or a Sisse Weatherlight Captain. Actually, any legendary permanent in, in those cases. There are a lot of tutor commanders that are just like almost to the point of getting busted and they just need the the right thing to look for similarly uh if you're in a color that can uh tutor very effectively so for example like black or green black can tutor for anything green is really good at tutoring out creatures um a single card can make a big difference there we talk a lot about there only needs to be like one overrun effect on the power level of crater hoof because the green decks can find it every game as exactly at the moment they need to um so similar effects especially like color pie breaks are really powerful in those those tutoring colors yes i would say that ways to get back like little donks like ways to get back tiny guys in white we're still not quite at a threshold that is like efficient enough or we just don't have enough cards that do it in a repeatable enough way that aren't just like Sun Titan. 
um, mm-hmm. that are really pushed enough to make it happen. So like we do have things like Bishop of Rebirth, which is kind of crappy Sun Titan, a 3-4 Vigilance for 5. When it attacks, you reanimate a small guy. Not quite what we need. Like if there was some kind of white uh, enchantment that helped get your little guys back, like your two drops and less, even your one drops, like that would be something that I think would be really um, good for the format and I think good for a lot of decks. I think the last thing too would be a red version of Mnemonic Wall. I think that actually would help red, mono red in particular a lot too. I don't mm. think it's outside of the color pie, especially at this point. And Anarchist just really isn't getting there, you know? Yeah. Just not quite. Those would be my takes on things that should probably exist and don't. And will help commanders, I think, a lot. I've got a couple ideas. I think that red needs more and better sacrifice outlets. Um, yes, that's 100% true. Like, for example, like with Anax hardened in the forge... Uh, his ability is really good. The the fact that any non-token creature you have that dies um, generates a 1-1 body, that's awesome. But once you get past, like, the Skull Clamp and the Goblin Bombardment and, like, the Dark Dweller Oracle, you start really going downhill. And, like, red is, you know, throwing away what you don't need now for maybe the chance at something better. And that's why it has all these like rummaging effects. Like I'm going to toss this and maybe I'll get something good. So I, I think that sacrifice outlets are, uh, are definitely in line with that. And we just need some, some better ones, uh, to make use of the latent potential in red, especially with all its token generation. Yeah. I think we will get some, we got dark dweller Oracle not too long ago. Great mono red sack outlet. Um, I think free, is the operative word here <laughs> though yeah. if you could if there is a way to dark dweller oracle but like for for free like sack a creature impulse draw mm, wow that uh that really that'd be really something you know quite good that would be that'd be wonderful yeah this is a really really good question also and i think this is kind of one of the reasons that we do the custom commander episodes as well as kind of thinking about these hypotheticals, keeping like our creative minds open, looking at like what exists. So like maybe something does get printed and it activates like a whole uh, commander and pool of cards, uh, much like these guys we talked about today, really. Like these cards are like so close. All these commanders were so close to being good (laughs) and they're just, mm, just really not there. And it's so sad. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that is it for today. Uh, I'm going to give, give a brief thank you to our Patreon patrons. They are Bradley, Gustav, Ryan, Mark, Addison, Mason, Will, Rick, Laser, Raphael, Kyle, Charlotte, Andrew, Tom, The White Clays, Aubrey, Hannah, Anthony, Andy, Cooper, Dylan, James, Justin, Logan, Roger, David, Evan, Bryce, Dylan, Benjamin, Jason, Kyle, and Jerry. Thank you all for supporting the show. It's because of you that we're able to continue making great content despite the world falling apart around us. And if you're not currently a Patreon patron but would like to become one, please check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. If any of you theorists want to get in touch with us, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr, and Zach is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check him out on SoundCloud. Until next time, we're going back to the drawing board. <laughs>